0: Do you know about a certain man named Gotham Adani? Have you ever heard this name before?
1: I don't remember. Okay. What, what's his shtick? So what's, Adani what's his, what's he known just became
0: for? this guy. Just became the third richest man in the world. And so you, yes, have, the Indian guy
1: from. Uh, uh, he's kind of like a, a. And he owns like the huge mansion in down in downtown like Mumbai, where like it, it's like a skyscraper.
0: Yeah. So he, um, so he, Elon Musk number one, Jeff Bezos number two, and now Adani number three. And so people. They watch this list and they're like, who's who is Adani? All right, in this episode, we're talking about the third richest man in the world, somebody who you've never heard of.
1: We talked about Team Zuck. So basically, Zuckerberg has this new video of him doing an MMA and we did a little recap on how we feel about it. But also, we kind of looked at how he makes his decisions and what our perspective is on him. And I actually think it's quite interesting.
0: We broke down one of Mr. Beast's to me, the most interesting business that Mr. Beast has that nobody else is really talking about and I think is low key a star business.
1: So that's the episode, give it a listen, let us know what you think.
0: And write in the comments, go on YouTube, write in the comments, I'll be replying to every single comment that's in here with something that's either smart or funny, I guarantee it. Go to the comments and leave one and I'll reply. All
1: right, I have a, a, a fun one, this will get us in the mood. So Kanye West, uh, pop culture-y, uh, do you follow Kanye? Of course, I don't really pay attention to Kanye West, really. Uh, it's not really on my uh, radar, but he did something kind of funny. And we talked about him yesterday and it's business related. But basically, you know, he's having this like tizzy with Adidas. Do you know about that?
0: <laughs> no. And nice use of tizzy.
1: You like that? Uh, well, and I, frankly, I don't entirely know about it. So I'm just going to kind of like summarize. But basically, you know, Kanye worked with Adidas to launch Yeezys, his line of shoes, um it's collectively made like or not collectively but in 2020 yeezy sales were 1.17 billion dollars in revenue he made around 200 million dollars from that so he made a lot of money and basically he's having a fight with them i don't actually know what the fight is about but the backstory is that he's accused them of stealing his designs and leaving him out of meetings for their yeezy shoe collaborations sean uh combs you know diddy said he's gonna boycott because of this and Kanye has said, I'm gonna make things unbearable for you guys until you comply. So I don't exactly know what comply means, but what's kind of, it's both sad because like it looks like he's going through some stuff and it is funny and he's try, kind of trying to be funny and it's working. But he basically said, I've got no chill. It's gonna cost you guys billions to keep me. It's gonna cost you billions to let me go, Adidas. You stole my design among other things and I'll give you till Tuesday, not until the seven months that I told you originally I was gonna give you today's the day like he like went like he's going crazy and on his twitter which he's got like i don't know how many followers seven, tens of millions i would imagine he's posting each person's picture who's on the board of directors as well as a couple other boards like they have a board of advisories uh, of adidas's people and so he posted this one woman who's also and he's like and he will say stuff about him like sometimes it's funny but sometimes it's like uh, this woman's on the board of uh, Adidas. She's also chairman and investment banker at JP Morgan. I went to JP Morgan in order to raise money for my buyout and they wouldn't do it like he's going kind of bananas. And I, and I thought that that was wild. And then I saw another thing that he's he's having another tizzy with uh, his wife, Kim or ex-wife about a school. And I went and looked at their school. Have you heard about this? So he has his own school, right? Like He has his own academy or something like that. Yeah. So he's trying to start this thing called Donda. So Donda.org. If you go there, it actually looks weird, but interesting and kind of fun. Like it looks cool. And if you go to about uh, on how we learn, you'll see like they describe the (laughs) curriculum and it's like, it kind of makes sense. But then you see like weird things. Like if you look at what the daily schedule, it says after school parkour. Well,
0: first of all, I went to the site, (laughs) Donda.org. It's just like who we are, how we learn admissions and choir. Those are the top four links. It's just choir, you know, Which of these does not belong? I don't know why choir is up here. Secondly, there's just like a white. I don't even know what. Kind of, it Looks like a white pigeon, to be honest with you. Just flapping its, its wings it's in slow mo. Okay, it's a, it's like a fat dove though. It's not it's not like a, a <laughs> yeah. sleek, graceful dove. It's like a ch- chunky it's like dove. A guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a guinea pig with wings that's just flying up in slow motion, and that's the website. I'm gonna click how we learn because I can't not um, okay they got less than twelve students per per class rule number one should be students should be confident in forming or forming ideas if not their writing will suffer okay so their daily schedule full school worship okay that's a good way to start the day how we similar to how we start the pod um, yeah four <laughs> classes, lunch and recess enrichment classes including <laughs> film choir and you're right parkour, <laughs> a bunch, bunch of singing ninjas out here, just singing and flipping around. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, a quick break to talk about our sponsor. So if you run a startup and you're trying to grow, you need a marketing and sales tool that will scale up with you. Check out the HubSpot for Startups program. You can save 30 to 90% on the CRM, which is going to help you increase your leads, boost your revenue, and just keep your whole team organized as you're trying to grow. HubSpot for Startups is trusted by thousands of startups all around the world. And you should go check out if you're eligible to join the HubSpot for Startups program and take your growth to the next level. Visit HubSpot.com slash startups.
1: So I thought this was interesting because, uh, it, you know, even though he's, I, I don't like laughing at him, a, a guy, if he's going kind of insane, but he's trying to be funny with this Instagram thing. And it kind of is hilarious. Uh, like he posted like the, a guy, I think the CEO of SA, SAP, uh, or is it SAP? Yeah, the like the HR software that nobody actually understands what they do. He like tweeted out or uh, Instagrammed his this guy's face and goes, "You are a SAP." That's what he said, and it, it just <laughs> it just you should. <laughs> All right, that's and he's one. just doing the most childish, <laughs> immature thing, and it's so funny. It is working. It's awesome. And then this school thing I saw because of his other little fight with Kim, and he's like, anyway. I don't know how this is related to business, but I, I, I thought that you would have known about this because you're more of a pop culture guy than I am.
0: No, but let me tell you, uh, I, okay, so this is, here's a theme for this episode. I'm gonna call it, people with giant egos. <laughs> okay. No, I'm gonna call it, because I don't actually know if these people have giant egos. I'm gonna say, creative titans. That's better, uh, mm-hmm. all right, creative titans. So the first one is gonna be my Billy of the Week. dollars isn't cool you know what's cool a billion dollars do you know about a certain man named gotham adani have you ever heard this name before uh mm, i don't remember what's his shtick so adani just became this guy just became the third richest man in the world and so you, yes
1: the indian guy from uh uh he's kind of like a a and he owns like the huge mansion in down in downtown like Mumbai, where it like it it's like a
0: skyscraper. Yeah. So he, um, so he, Elon Musk number one, Jeff Bezos number two, and now Adani number three. And so people they watch this list and they're like, who's who is Adani? And I actually I don't know if I met him, but we definitely pitched him. I, I think my dad pitched him a, a business thing many years ago. My dad always kept saying, oh, we just need to get Adani on board. Adani, Adani, Adani. And so I'd heard about this guy before. And I didn't, you know, and his net worth has just skyrocketed because his stock is up like 13X in the last, I don't Is this know, Reliant know. Industries? No. So Reliance, it was the top kind of like company there. And the guy who runs it, Mukesh Ambani, was the, I think he was, he was the richest man in India. And now Adani has passed him up in the last year because his Got stock it. went up 13X. So, so who is this guy and what does he do? Okay. So um, what he does, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Is he a software guy? Is he a Mark Zuckerberg? No, no, he's not. Is he Elon Musk? Is he trying to create the future of uh, you know space travel and you know like brain computer interfaces? No, this guy operates in a place that Sam likes power, so he does coal, (laughs) ports, plastics, you know shit like that. So basically, this guy's like they do they do like industrial work and so he owns when so when he was a he was a kid he was in school he went to go visit this port it was the largest port in the country at the time a port you know where literally like ships come in and out and um he's like inspired by it It was like one day i'm gonna own the biggest port ever and uh, the biggest port in india and now he sure enough he owns the biggest port in india he owns the most ports in india too um when with the deal we were trying to do with him we were trying to get adani to come to australia to build a port for our our startup that was based in australia because these guys were the kings of ports. But his story is pretty cool. He's a he's a college dropout, so 18, drops out. He becomes a diamond sorter. I don't even know what that means, but he became a diamond sorter. He got an interest, interest in the diamond business. And after a couple of years of sorting diamonds, he then goes in, he starts his own diamond brokerage. And he's like, I will trade, I will basically age of 20 as a diamond broker. Brother calls him up, brother says, hey, brother, I have a, uh, a small plastic factory here that I I, I own now I've, I've I bought or I run. And so he helps him go scale up the plastic factory. And then as he's doing that, he's like, Oh, well, let's start importing the, like the, the materials that come up, you know, upstream of plastics. And so he starts doing, he creates like a, an export company. And so he just keeps creating these companies. So now he has seven publicly listed companies. He's got the Adani group, which is like the, the mega one. And then they'll start like, adani power adani um you know like trading adani um real estate or whatever and they'll start all these different companies and they'll take them all public and what's interesting about it is that and he's got a beautiful mustache by the way just yeah great he looks stash. like you know the meme account dr park patel he looks like the meme accounts photo actually so <laughs> i don't know if it's if it's him or it just looks a lot like him he looks that, like a like an
1: indian mario you know, like Mario and Luigi. <laughs> he looks like an
0: Indian Mario. Like you know, uh, he look he does. He, he, you know when Mario does that little squat, like right. You know when you want to you want to do that trick where you go behind the thing you're standing on and you run and you get the magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like squatting. He's a little squatty squatty version of, of Indian Mario. So, anyways, this guy has now become you know whatever the third person. He's got these crazy stories. He was I don't know if you know there was like this. Um, sort of like an Indian 9-11 thing where there's like a terrorist attack on a hotel. He was in that hotel and he was like in the hostage group that was there. Wow. He was also kidnapped at one point in time and taken ransom for $2 million. They paid it and got free. And so this guy has just lived this like kind of crazy life. And even now he's doing really well. The group's doing really well. He's third richest man on earth. There is a set of people who are very, very skeptical about what these guys are doing because they have so much debt in their companies like he is basically constantly trying to acquire companies like they just bought the largest cement producer in india but they buy these companies using debt and he's got this intricate like set of companies and so there's a big question of like is this all a house of cards that's going to fall over and you're going to see a guy go from the number three richest to like you know falling off the list completely or is he actually going to pull this off because what they'll do is They'll say, okay, the, the the parent company has some profits. We'll take a loan on that. And then they take like one of the new companies public, like, oh, Adani Green Power. And they'll take the green company public because it's got the Adani name, stock price goes up. And then he'll invest in it from the parent company. And then he'll sell those shares. And then he'll borrow against the the, the stock. And then he'll issue a bond. And he's got like all these different debt instruments. And so they have, I think, more debt than like any other company in India. And now there's a question of is this all going to fall over or is it all going to work? It's pretty fascinating
1: dude when do do you ever feel i feel self conscious when I hear about these things because my like my thing with business is like just the very simple of buy, low, sell high, you know like I purchase a widget for you know one dollar and I put some type of value or I just buy tons of them and, I, and so I get a discount and then I sell them for like a dollar fifty that fifty cents is my profit. I use a quarter to, a quarter of that to pay myself a quarter to go buy more. And like, it's like a relatively like simple, straightforward process. And then I hear about like, you just use the word debt instruments and how he, you know, he like, he does this thing and gets a loan across this thing and this thing. And when I hear that stuff, I just think like, so like, where's the dollar that goes into his bank account actually come from? You know what I mean? Like, right. Like I, I try to think about, I'm like. I don't understand how this person then eventually collects the money and how the people who are owed money, where they got the money from and when they're going to get paid back. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's so complicated for me because I'm such a simpleton or is it just bullshit?
0: Dude, I don't think when it's I was bullshit. in seventh grade. My parents got me a piano teacher and I wish that instead I just learned how to play dead instruments like that would have just been so much better than learning how to play you know what do you mean a debt oh debt yeah no shit like where do people learn this stuff where do people learn this sort of financial engineering i think that a lot of it happens if you're like on the inside so you work at an investment bank or you work somewhere there but like this guy didn't but this guy didn't do that yeah yeah so you know i think he hired people who who do that and they sort of say hey look here's what we're going to do we're gonna." We're going to issue this bond, and we're going to take this company public. And then we're going to like take a load, pledge the shares, we're going to get a loan against the shares. And basically, somehow one dollar of EBITDA has become eight dollars of you know cash flow for us. And like we got to figure out how to do that without it all collapsing. But people like when, who when, understand when, financial when, engineering, they have such an edge, such an such absolute an edge. edge.
1: All right, everyone, a quick break, because I want to fill you in on a little experiment that I'm doing. I've got a new project. It's called Money Wise. It's a personal finance podcast for high net worth people or young people who are on their way to becoming high net worth. When I made a little bit of money, I didn't even know how much money I should be spending each month. Should it be 10000 30000 50000 And I didn't really have a lot of people to ask. So I created a podcast called Money Wise because I wanted to figure out what are some of the things that people who have a lot of cash and who have a high net worth, what do they do with it? The first episode is with a friend of mine. He sold his company for two hundred million dollars when he was thirty-one years old. He gets super transparent about his monthly expenses, his portfolio, how it impacts his happiness, everything. And so, I want you guys to check it out. It's called Money Wise. That's one word. You can find it on my Twitter bio. I'm the Sampar, or you can just type in Money Wise on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All right, back to the pod.
0: Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you like podcasts like this, you should check out some other cool podcasts. One is called Business Made Simple. It's hosted by Donald Miller and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. And what he does is he makes it easy to take the mystery out of growing your business. There's an episode that you should check out called What You Should Put in a Job Description to Get the Perfect Hire. And in this episode, Donald Miller looks at the whole hiring process and how important it is to emphasize both the, the positive attributes and the drawbacks to future candidates. And you'll learn why being self-aware as a leader will help you avoid hiring disasters. So check it out. Go listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts.
1: But when I like originally like made some money and I remember like our banker saying like, yeah, you can borrow money now at 1%. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to go into debt. And, and they'd be like, well, no, sometimes it's like it could be wise for you to do that. For example, if you have to pay taxes, I'm like, why? He goes, well, because you'd have to sell this thing, which then you'd take a, like a you know a 40% discount on that because of taxes. And I'm like, wait, I don't understand this. Can you like lay this out? Like, can you write this on a piece of paper? So like it and then my banker, Griffin, he ended up flying to New York to visit me <laughs> to like. He goes, dude, I just need to sit down with you so you understand this. I swear to God. I swear. I go, why are you coming here? You got meetings? He goes, no, I'm coming to explain this to you. So he came and he explained it to me. And He's I, like, it,
0: yeah, sure. Meetings. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've cleared like, I, my I, day to explain the one concept of borrowing against stock. (laughs) Like he, I just didn't understand it. Were you the same way? Were you like, I just don't get this. This doesn't make sense to me. No, because you and others explained it to me, right? So like, yes, it's true. I didn't understand. I didn't know about it at first. And then when I knew about it, I didn't understand why it was good. And then somebody's like, hey, so you notice why this is amazing, right? You could either sell your stock, pay taxes and no longer own the stock, or you could keep owning the stock never pay the taxes just borrow at a one percent rate against that money and like you're good and i was like oh, okay so that's good right they're like all right you dipshit you didn't understand like <laughs> let's do this again Dude, <laughs> and they it's like, crazy. Show the numbers
1: yeah i just like so these financial engineers you know where i learned a lot about this stuff is from ben our ben wilson his uh podcast with Rothschild, like I, and like I started like learning about this a little bit, but then I also learned that I think some people, I don't know like what skill set it is. I do think it's rooted in just like, they're just good at math and they understand, um, just like complicated algebra, to be honest, just like exponential, exponential. Like that, 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 that's a concept that's like, it sounds like I'm joking, but that's actually quite hard to understand. Like to understand what is 7% or 10% or 12% growth for 50 periods. What's that actually look like? Like. I remember listening to this podcast. I was like, oh, you're just like, just like LeBron is just taller and can dunk better. It doesn't matter what I do. Like there's some people that are just better at this. And I don't know what that skill set is, but there is something there, there. It's like, you're just, you're better than me.
0: Well, I think you just get curious about that thing, which most of us who are like builders, makers, entrepreneurs, you know, like the stereotype about, let's say, um, you know, who cares what, you know, corporate structure, uh, bookkeeping, taxes, like, you know, whatever raising debt. That wasn't never the reason I got into business. That's not what I found interesting at the time. I was like you, it's like, Oh, we could buy this thing for X and sell it for Y, you know, that that's, that's the game plan. Or we can make this thing that doesn't exist. And wow, look how cool it is. Look how it works. That was always more fun. And it's just like a level up, a progression in the game to be able to understand how do I, a keep more money that I make and b how do we leverage money so that we could do more interesting things, you know, in a less dilutive way. Right. So, so I I think these people are amazing, you know, like Xavier who, who runs enduring ventures. He told me this once he's just, he was just like, you know, if I died, I'd be reincarnated as a CFO, not a CEO. And I That's was like, so funny. it was like the weirdest brag I'd ever heard. I was, I never heard somebody like bragging about wanting to be a CFO. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, I don't know. I just really like learning about how to be efficient and smart on this like financial, like financial engineering. And he had done, you know, real engineering before that he built basically like, He's like, so, he built a solar company in, in Africa, the largest solar company in Africa. Dude, that's so
1: funny that he's interested
0: and, in that stuff, though. And because, batteries like, he up, he's like a hippie. He's to, he's totally a hippie, right? He, he did that because he's like, dude, there's people suffering in Africa. Like, I want to like, that seems like the problem to go fix. But then along the way, he's like, all right, well, how do I create, you know, how do I finance all of these solar panels and battery packs without having to go raise venture capital. And so in order to do that, like the necessary evil was, he needed to learn how to access cheap debt. He needed to learn how to like issue debt and underwrite for other people because what he did was he was like, you know, these people should basically, they don't have the $21 to buy the solar panel that goes on top of their house that's gonna power their fridge. And like, if they don't have a fridge, their life really is tough and they need this, but they can't afford the $21. So like, let's just do it at $4 a month or whatever. And like, I will underwrite a loan against their like income and it's like, how do you underwrite a loan for somebody who doesn't even have electricity in their house? And he would figure these things out. And so I think it became a necessary evil and something he got fascinated with. And so now they're doing this whole holding company. And so he does this this one thread he did went viral, which was like how to have a holding company like Warren Buffett and basically like, you know, make a massive amount of money, pay as little taxes you need to, and like, you know, have have more and more money to do acquisitions as you go. And he basically outlines Warren Buffett's corporate structure and why that's at why that's advantageous. And, uh, you know, I read it and I still only understand 25% of it, but I'm just glad that there's people like that, that I can go to whenever I have a question. That's hilarious.
1: Dude, that's great. Well, I like this guy. Got him. I'm gonna, I want to learn more about him. You have more on him yeah. or you want me to go?
0: Uh, I have another person like this or I have another person and idea like this. Okay. So now okay. let's switch gears. Another creative Titan that we talked about mr beast so we hung out with mr beast i don't know if you guys have, are sick of us talking about that yet but you know uh producer ben is literally sitting here in a mr beast uh t-shirt so you know he's a fan uh by the way that's good ben because you know when when we were sitting in that meeting and they brought in the swag uh jimmy who, who is mr beast he goes he goes oh man they're not like kids dude they don't need they don't need this stuff like you know well, they're not gonna be because like, the guy came in and was like guys i got treats for you and he's like had a bunch of swag and nobody moved and jimmy was just like oh no they don't care about this stuff man they're 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 adults and then like all of us were like the fuck are you talking about dude yeah. <laughs> and like we were just like i just like i literally rolled my chair over to him like you know like a kid i'm like wee I like just like rolled my <laughs> rolling chair over to that part of the table because it was like a long boardroom, and I was just like, "I'm going to get some swag," and I went and got it. And the other guy's like, "I got kids, man. I got they're gonna need like, if I don't bring back swag, they're gonna be pissed." And so, and now Ben is wearing his.
1: Damn, I wait. Jimmy drove me like when we were going to the I took a ride with them and I found that shirt that you're wearing, Ben, in the back of his car. And I just go, I'm fucking taking this. He's got tons <laughs> of them. So I stole mine from him. I I, we, I didn't know that we had the opportunity to take it like
0: ethically. <laughs> <laughs> Never considered that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. So, Jimmy, OK, so I wanted to bring something up that he had talked about that we didn't mention on the podcast, which to me is the most interesting business that this guy has you might be thinking is the most interesting business his youtube channel no is it his chocolate company feast named feastables no is it his drop shipping burger company his cloud kitchen called mr beast burger no do you know which one i'm going to talk about do either of you guys know give me a uh, sam do you know which one i'm going to talk about i think ben do you have any idea which one i, I might be referring to uh well
1: uh no, but are you gonna talk about his burger? Did you guys see his restaurant just open? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's talk about this other thing. First. Okay, okay. Sorry. No, no, I don't know. Gonna I'm gonna, I'll, like I wrote down what I think it is, and then you you say, it. All right, say I'm gonna say letter.
0: it's his like kind of translation internationalization company translation. Sam got it. There it is. <laughs> yes. This idea is amazing. So when we're sitting there, he's like, yeah. I like got basically whatever the number one number two whatever biggest channel in in America and he's like pulling up his like YouTube stats on he's like airplaying onto the TV like his YouTube stats and then he goes, um I also have this channel in Portuguese uh, you know this my Portuguese channel is growing really fast and he puts up a video it's got 20 million views in Brazil and I was like and it, it starts talking and all of a sudden he's talking in fluent Portuguese. And I was like, what is this? He's like, oh yeah, like it like AI. No, so what they did was they were like, look, one of the things, we we already put a million and a half dollars into this video where I built this chocolate factory and I'm gonna give it away to one of these people. How do we get more juice out of that fruit? And so what they realized was we can go international into markets where YouTube is huge, like Brazil. Um, Brazil's got this massive population. It's huge on YouTube. And they don't have content like Mr. Beast is doing. Like he's ahead of the game for the US. He's light years ahead of the game for like Brazil or the Philippines or different places like this. And so, but the challenge is it's a language challenge. So what they did was they went, they basically hired somebody to create a YouTube channel. They said, hey, you're gonna be our YouTube channel manager for this country. You're the country manager for Brazil. You gotta have our Twitter, our TikTok, our YouTube, all of it, Um, you know, Mr. Beast Brazil or whatever it's called. Then secondly, we're gonna, when we have a video here, you need to get it translated by a local, like a, like a dubbing service. So like a local translator and I want it translated. I want the description translated. I want uh, all of it done. And then you upload it there, you respond to the comments, you manage that community, all of that good stuff. And what they did was they would not like, they didn't just go get like, you know, some random crappy person on Fiverr to do it. They got like the guy who dubbed Spider-Man in Brazil. They got him to do the voice acting for this. They paid him a lot of money. They paid him like a couple hundred grand. And I was like, I feel like you didn't need to do that. You could have just got anybody. And he's like, check this out. Like, basically, you don't know shit about shit, Sean. And so the, he goes to the comments and every comment is, oh, my God, Mr. Beast is Spider-Man. Like, they just thought he must be that guy. Like, that's him. That's that voice I recognize. <laughs> and yeah, so he yeah, yeah. got like all this extra, you know, social juice. It was a little more remarkable. And again, back to our principle from last podcast, which is just do the doper thing. Just do the dope shit instead of the lame shit. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. What's cooler? the cheaper guy from fiverr or pe- all right you Spider paid a hundred grand or whatever you got spider-man to do it and it's like yeah. of course of course what, what am i thinking and so that's Dude, what they're whenever, doing uh, in all by these the way, countries what,
1: when i listen to audiobooks like on audible i every if i if i see a famous person's the author or the narrator rather i listen to it so like i'm listening to huckleberry finn not that i really care about huckleberry finn but nick offerman is the narrator you know the guy from community uh you know who that is he's like uh, the-
0: yeah is he the main guy in the
1: community yeah ron swanson he plays like an angry like white country guy or yeah. like it'll be another guy like it'll be just like whenever i see an author who I a re- uh, a narrator if i recognize their a famous person i listen to it so tom hanks doing da Vinci code i didn't really even want to do da Vinci code but tom <laughs> hanks so like the whole narrator thing yeah that's pretty sick i'm on board with that
0: i can't find this client info have you heard of HubSpot? HubSpot is a CRM platform, so it shares its data across every application. Every team can stay aligned. No out-of-sync spreadsheets
1: or dueling databases.
0: HubSpot, grow better. So so basically what he's done is he's like, cool, now that's, okay. So he was doing that for himself. So he's like, oh, good. I'm, I'm blowing up in Romania. I'm blowing up in Philippines. I'm blowing up in Brazil. I'm blowing up everywhere. He's like, I already did 80% of the work. It's that last 20 that is foreign to me, feels feels like a lot of work, whatever. but all, I can hire the people to do this. But the smart part was, he's like, this is not just a way for me to expand my brand. That's already a smart business move. He then created this as a service for other big YouTubers. So now if you're whoever, you know, you're ARAC or you're, you're you know, some yes theory or something like that, right? you could basically just use his service. He'll just go to you and be like, hey, do you want to be big in Brazil? We'll just do all the work for you. And like, we'll keep like 30% of their ad revenue. And they're like, "That's crazy." okay, yeah, like I'm not gonna hire, I'm not gonna go and do this interview process to hire all these people and figure it out and manage this all myself. That's kind of inefficient. But what he can do is like, he can have one team in Brazil that's gonna manage 15 YouTubers channels there. And so I think this is one of the smartest businesses that he has. I think it's gonna be one of the most successful. It's gonna be pure profit essentially. And um, I think he's got the distribution locked down because if he goes to any YouTuber and explains, hey, here's what I'm doing, and you get access to my machine, they're all going to say yes. And it's, an, it's a good idea for them. It's a win-win for them, because they're just not going to capture this extra value. Um, and so he's doing this, and it's just another example of turning a cost center into a profit center. And I actually want to talk about some examples of those. So basically, things where you, this would normally just be a cost to him to run this, to have all these people on staff, but once he turns it into a service for other YouTubers, now it becomes a profit center. And so there which, are which, a bunch of examples. Which I like think
1: w- this. this would make way more money than the chocolate bars. Like I remember I ate the chocolate, the chocolate that he had. And I was like, well, you know, like, A, it's good, but I don't, it's not like that different than any other chocolate that I've had. And B, it kind of sucks that I've got to feel bad about myself if I consume a lot of your product. And C, it's only like 40, it was $40, I think, for a box. Like that's hard to build a big business, $40 a pop. You know what I'm saying? Right at least when you're not, if you're, you gotta be in Walmart or something.
0: Yeah, which I'm sure he could do also. Like uh, sure. to Ben's point, he he opened up a brick and mortar location for his burger joint. And normally you're like, ah, you know, opening up a restaurant, in a mall, maybe not the best idea. And then he like posts this video. There's like literally, I don't know, 50,000 people in the mall <laughs> like lined up. It was like people were lined up, up and down each concourse. Just like, you know, <laughs> the, the the restaurants on floor one or whatever, like people were on floor four, just lined up in this line and it was insane so you know this guy's got pretty massive pull so what are Um, the
1: other examples of of turning centers in
0: so the first one that came to mind for me was aws so aws today is basically amazon amazon's most of its profits come from aws and aws is basically when amazon had to have a really robust set of servers to run their own website and then they were like hey the way we use this kind of like server infrastructure and it's just like this big expense for us to have this server farm. What if we just rented this out to other companies who want to have like Amazon level servers without having to go rack their own servers in some data center. And that became AWS. And basically AWS spits off billions and billions in profit. Now what started as what would have been a billion dollar loss. And so, you know, that's a huge swing, but I have some others uh, that I want to explain to you. So uh, Michael Gurdley, who came on the pod, he goes, my favorite is, um, this company called Freight Alley, they did what what HubSpot kind of did with the Hustle. They basically have this thing called Freight Waves, which is Freight Waves is basically a um, media company, and Freight Alley is the like the SaaS company. So basically, they're a SaaS company that created a media arm that goes and uh, normally a media company's you know has expenses, but they turned it into a profit center. Basically, that acquires customers for the SaaS business at a negative customer acquisition cost. So the media company is profitable and brings in customers to their own SaaS uh, you know at the bottom of the funnel. So that's one example, not exactly the full thing, but Dude, another that guy, is,
1: the guy who started that company his name's Craig, I've hung out with him a bit. He um bought a big piece of property in Tennessee and he's the one who's turning it into like an airport. It's like a country club, but instead of a golf course, there's an airport. So he's selling, he bought a huge plot of land. Now he's sub selling or he's selling smaller plots of land and there's going to be an airplane strip and a hangar that everyone has access to. So if you're a flying enthusiast, you buy a home there and you can use this. And right. he bought a magazine. I think it was called airplane.com or something like that. He bought a magazine and he's like, I'm going to buy a magazine and do the same thing that I did. But instead of software, we're going to do it with these houses.
0: Wow. That's, it's, it's amazing. Another um, another example, so um, any DTC company that eventually takes their own warehouse and starts fulfilling for other customers, so they turn their own warehouse, which is a cost for them for fulfillment, into a profit center because they're doing fulfillment for themselves and others. Very similar to, to AWS. Okay, here's another one. Uh, this guy, George, on Twitter just sent me this. He goes, Ford decided to own the timber supply for their vehicles. So there was lots of wood in the early cars. Yeah. They ended up with with so much leftover wood. They started selling charcoal and that's Kingsford charcoal company. That's my favorite, man. That's my
1: favorite story.
0: That's a, that's kind of amazing. I didn't know that. Uh, Is there more to know about that or did did we kind of nail it there?
1: No, you nailed it. So basically they were, so Ford was making frame car frames and they had to burn a whole lot of wood in order to, you know, bend the steel or do whatever they had to do. And they had all this leftover charred wood, and they're like, "What do we do with this?" And I think it was Henry Ford's idea. I forget exactly whose idea, but he goes, "Hey, let's let's start selling this. Let's make something out of this." And that's where it kind of came from. There's a bunch of entrepreneurs that have kind of like done things like this. Uh, Standard Oil did something like this, where they're like, "This gets more complicated and is less interesting." But like, hey, this offput of kerosene is like this weird, like fluid that's like really greasy. Is there anything we could do with that? And like WD-40 or something like that. Right. Like they've like, there's like stories like that with, with Standard Oil as well.
0: And so here's a couple others. So Foursquare, Foursquare had an API for businesses because they needed all this data about businesses, where they're located, all that stuff. And they needed that for, to power their own Foursquare app. And Foursquare kind of went up in this hype cycle. then went down many years, sort of forgotten, sort of written off. But a new CEO joined and almost oriented the company around this. It was like, look, the more valuable thing is not people using Foursquare, the app and playing the game. It's all the data we've collected about businesses, where they're located with like hyper precision. And so we actually just need to make that API available to everybody. And they productize the API and they make, I think, more money off the API. I think they make more money off the API than they do off the core app at this point. Um, so so I think that's a, that's another great example of this. Amazon has a bunch. Like Amazon was a bookseller right? So their main cost of goods sold was their books, but then they create Kindle and Kindle self and the self-publishing business and the public and all that. And so now Kindle itself became a profit center. What, so what used to be a cost, which was selling books. Now they sell eBooks that they kind of own. And, um, you know, they turn that profit, same thing with payments, right? Amazon had to pay a, a merchant, like a fee every time they processed a payment. So they created their own payment software, Amazon called Amazon payments. And now like, you know, for our e-com store, I just went, I, I was like, oh, I think we take Amazon payments. Where does that money go? And I went and found an account we have with Amazon payments that had like 400 grand sitting in it because we use that service, Amazon payments to take payments for somebody who wants to pay with Amazon. And so they turned it into a profit center along the way.
1: That's crazy. Another one is um, Slack. So Slack started out as a game and when they were working on their game, they it, it wasn't actually Doing that well, but they created a way in order to communicate effectively with their with their coworkers. And they said, "Ah, fuck this game. This thing is actually way cooler. Let's actually turn this internal tool into a uh, a proper tool." We thought about doing that. So here's but here's the problem with this. This all sounds sick. A lot of people uh, say, "Yeah, let's do this." And so a lot of publishers are doing this. And so they are like, "Let's sell our CMS." So BuzzFeed, Vox, Washington Post, I forget who else. It's like they build these custom website builders, and they say, let's sell this. And I think oftentimes it's a distraction. And they always say, well, Amazon did it. And I looked into this. Amazon did launch AWS uh, pretty early on. But do you know how many employees they had when they did it?
0: How many total employees are on AWS?
1: Yeah, total employees. There's about 5,000. So they were already <laughs> a multi-billion dollar company. With, and, and so they, the way the story is told is like, oh, they were just this little guy. No, they had about 5,000 people when they launched AWS. <laughs> Like it was like a, you know, it was a, it was a thing. It wasn't just like a scrappy startup. And a lot of times people like will say, well, well let's also sell this. It's like, dog, we've got eight people working here. Like who's going right. to do this? Uh, so that's always like, I've always been conflicted with this strategy.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, you guys considered it. You would have done it for what? Is it your... Um, our email
1: sending platform. So like we built our own for a little while and then we made it really easy. So like it if, is if, if, so basically... Hypothetically, which there aren't that many people doing this. If you had a daily email, it was really easy for you to talk to your advertiser, make the ad and insert into the thing, have them approve it. And like, it was simple and easy to use. But the problem is, is like, there are not that many people doing it. You know what I mean? And B, well, there like, weren't
0: then, but like Beehive basically does that now. And they're actually growing pretty well.
1: Well, Maybe. I could have been wrong, but I don't think I'm going to end up being wrong. I think that I'm think that i not convinced that what they're doing, at least ads for a daily email, that business I don't think will be ever be that particularly big. And Beehive. So Beehive is kind of like Substack. Uh, and so it's these services that you get subscribers and they take a small amount of revenue based off of how much you're making from subscriptions or you just pay them like a fee on how many subscribers you have. Do you think that some of those businesses actually can become huge venture-backed size companies?
0: So I just invested in Beehive, actually. Initially, I didn't invest because I was like, "Uh, I don't know how big this gets. And then two things sort of changed my mind. The first is, every time I needed something for Beehive, the founder was an absolute animal on my request. Like, because we use it for Milk Road, so. Yeah, he's um,
1: great. His name's Tyler, he's awesome.
0: Tyler was, he's like, it's already on a, like, he'd be like, it's already on a roadmap. The question I have is A or B this like nuance about it that shows he's been thinking about this noodling on it. And then he'd be like, when do you need this by? Cause normally like it's scheduled to be out in three weeks, but if you need three days, like, you know, the weekend exists, I might be able to, you know, like whatever. So he was able to like rip off feature after feature after feature that we needed and everything that was like you're like hey we have this question it's like him and his team would dig in so he so i saw that he kind of had that grit that you like in an entrepreneur so i got to basically He's test pretty drive spe- the entrepreneur, He's special which i normally don't get to do with most investments um you know with most investments you meet them you do a call with them they say all the right things they send you the deck you look at it you kick you look at the product and like you got to make an educated guess at that point you don't get to spend months working with the actual entrepreneur as a customer and see how quick they are with features how how fast they're responding the quality of the product all that good stuff so so that was the first reason the second reason was i've come to realize that the that the best investments i've made have been ones where what looks like a small market what looks niche turns out to not be niche so we got acquired by twitch and our last company twitch was a kind of the quintessential example of this right like yeah, but like how many people are going to watch other people play video games on the internet? Like how many people are going to stream themselves playing a video game and how many people want to watch that? Looked niche and turned out to be a massive behavior. Um, This is also true with like, you know, uh, now Shopify seems really obvious. I remember talking to the VC who led Shopify's early rounds, uh, you know, maybe six, seven years ago. And Shopify at that point was still like legit, but it's not what it is today. It's not like, seen as it is today as like one of the like blue chip startups. And it was the same thing. It was like, oh, okay, you know, like just like Etsy, like, you know, how big do these actually get? These kind of like indie maker seller type things. Isn't Amazon and big brands just gonna like dominate this? Like how many mom and pops are there gonna be on the internet that can actually do this well? And how much- uh, Dude, I you remember make? that. I remember Tim
1: Ferriss invested in Shopify and he was talking about it. And I was like, Shopify? that's so silly. Like, you know, this thing exists, this exists, this exists. Why don't you just use this thing? And like, you know, right. I remember like, I, I forget what those were like big commerce. Do you remember big commerce? Is that yeah, what There's big
0: commerce. There's WooCommerce. There's Magento. There was all these. And so that was actually yeah, the bigger like, problem, which is if you looked at the existing ones that had been around for like 10 years and they were kind of like, like, those are pretty like, uh, they're cheaper. They're harder to, they're more flexible, but they're way harder to use. And they were kind of like from a different era. So they kind of like peaked at a certain point. And you look at those. and they were peaking back then. Yeah, you're like, how big does this get? Look, that's how big it gets. Not very big. And the same thing happened with Airbnb. I remember when Airbnb was like coming out and it was like, oh, well, it's couch surfing, but better, right? Like, I don't know if people remember, couchsurfing.com was like one of the early, oh, that's a cool idea, but it never made a bunch of money, never got huge. Because again, how many people really want to go Live, sleep on a, you know someone's couch or extra bedroom in uh, in some city. Okay, yeah, it's this kind of vagabond, hippie traveling shit, but like, that's not mainstream. And so if you looked at couch surfing to see how big Airbnb could get, you're like, well, sit. very, very similar idea, been around for longer, seems to have plateaued around this size, not that big. And like, you would have been wrong. And so I guess I've kind of learned that like, the absolute biggest wins in venture come when you find something non-obvious and the non-obvious, t- the, the non-obvious to me typically is like just fundamentally like product categories or markets people aren't going after or markets that other people think are small that actually are going to turn out to be very big.
1: There's this really great story with Sam Altman, who at the time was the president of y, uh, what's it called? Y Combinator and Brian Chesky and Brian Chesky is getting or maybe he he was just worked at Y Combinator and Brian Chesky in 2004. It must have been 2011. Was getting ready to pitch, you know. So YC, you go through this eight or twelve week incubator. At the end, you pitch a bunch of venture capitalists, and YC helps you a bunch of ways, including getting your pitch right. Brian Chesky's with Sam going over his pitch, and he goes, "This company one day is going to make a hundred million dollars a year." And Sam was like, "Brian, like, can you just do me a favor? Anywhere in this presentation where you have like a number." Could you do me a favor and add a zero behind it at the end of no, it? No, he goes, and so he
0: goes change all the M's to B's. Investors that's like what he Bs. Does.
1: <laughs> Yeah, he goes anything that you have an M, I want to see a B. Change it all, <laughs> and I I don't remember exactly how the story goes, but it was paraphrased in such words like Brian goes like, but that's lying. Like there's no way that we're gonna do that. Like it's just impossible. There, it, w- w- no one has done this before. He goes. Yeah, but you know, it seems like a big market. And here's my reasoning. Like, logically it makes sense. There's so many people who stay at hotels. Like, of course you can do this. I mean, someone can do it, I bet. And she'll just do me a favor and change all those M's to B's. <laughs> and even Brian Chesky didn't believe it. And there's another story, by the way, where I remember um what was uh Amazon's first VC? Was it Madonna? Is that what it's called? Madonna? It's like it looks like the word Madonna. They're based up in Seattle. <laughs> and uh he's pitching and I listened to a podcast with the guy he pitched. And the guy he pitched Tells a story of Bezos saying like, look, if we if we get our act together and we make this work, I think we're going to make like a hundred million bucks a year in like the next five or 10 years. Like that was his pitch is like, that's how big I think we're going to get. And the guy was like, I need to get a lot bigger than that. But whatever, you you seem really competent. So it's just proof that like even the people starting things sometimes also are like, I don't know how big this can get. I don't I don't know if, if this is going to work out.
0: Yeah, like there's that clip of Mark Zuckerberg talking at a college and he's like doing a uh, interview, a campus interview. He's like, hey, we're here with the campus report. And we have Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of the Facebook.com, uh, which is blowing up around campus. People really like your website, Mark. Uh, you know, and he's like, he's basically, he's wearing basketball shorts. He's got a red solo cup he's drinking out of. Yes. And he's just sitting there. And they're like, so you've expanded to like whatever, seven colleges. And where are you going to go from here? You could end up going into high schools or, you know, you're going to, how big can this get? And he's like, Oh, I don't know. Like right now it's Facebook is cool. Like it's cool for colleges. Really, really useful. And sometimes if you try to make something too big, like it loses what makes it cool. Like maybe it doesn't like, why does it have to be bigger? And maybe it doesn't have to be bigger. He says that. And then like, you know, sure enough, fast forward 10 years, he's like, we need to launch a satellite to India to give these rural <laughs> yeah. villagers internet so more they can users. use the Facebook. <laughs> yeah, we need more. And so like, you know, he turns into an absolute animal. By the way, this MMA clip of Zuck. Awesome. Have you seen this? Awesome. awesome. <laughs> killed it.
1: He killed it. He killed it. So for the background on this, uh, Zuck went on Rogan and talked about a bunch of stuff. It was it was uh, actually a pretty good interview, I think. Zuck actually kind of redeemed himself a bit. But uh, in, in part of the interview, Zuck said, I've been training MMA and people are like, afterwards yeah right okay nerd he posts this video of him training he looks <laughs> really good way faster than i thought he was going to be like
0: fighting he was fighting like even if he wasn't good the fact that he does this it's just like i basically this was my tipping point i already liked zuck but now i'm team zuck which there's not a lot of us here right we, we can't even play <laughs> yeah. a game of pickup basketball there's four of us on team zuck we're just still looking for a fifth and and somebody tweeted this out. They were they, they go, Jack Dorsey, um, you know, <laughs> he goes, Jack Dorsey uh, hasn't worked in ten years. Uh, constantly like constantly meditating, uh, you know, dating different models, no family, tries to run multiple companies at once, fails. Uh, Twitter never makes anybody. Blah blah blah. Zuck, you know, begrudgingly runs a trillion dollar empire. You know, faithfully monogamous, uh, great dad. Uh, trains mma like like all these like it was like jack dorsey doesn't work out it's like it's like uh, trains mma and it's just like highlights like you know basically like why does everybody hate this guy again like what has this guy done like you know and and and, and some people are like he he ruined democracy it's like no dude he built basically the modern telephone. You're pissed that some people make phone calls that you don't like. That's that's basically what happens on Facebook is that he built the app everybody uses to communicate everything stupid or amazing. And sure enough, some percentage of that is not content you like and is not controllable. And the guy's literally built, like it's, you know, it was at a trillion dollars at a point in time. He's built a trillion dollar company and he just keeps running it and he keeps trying to make it better. And he keeps trying to push the envelope and he keeps trying to make like better and better products and services. And do you think he really cares about like, do you think he sits there being like, ah, I want to influence the election, but no, that's like, yeah, you know, that's the, that's a pain in the ass he's trying to deal with. It's not like his agenda. People make him out to be like this evil guy. And it's like, dude, people, people don't like him cause he's awkward. Like, all right, yeah. you're you're a bully if you don't like him because he's a right. nerd. You know, like think about who you are if you don't like Mark Zuckerberg. You're a he, fucking bully. You just think uh, he's awkward, and you, that's how you judge him. Like, screw you, man. The guy's awkward. We should do
1: we should do like an entire episode about this because there was one beautiful line that he said. So Rogan was like, "Um, look, like you had these Russians doing this and influencing the election, and then the Hunter Biden story story came out, and you guys like." took it down and you told them it wasn't allowed and then and like rogan was like uh criticizing him or at least voicing all the criticisms that facebook had and mark goes um yeah look like how would you handle that situation and, <laughs> and, and
0: love, to yeah, love to see you yeah, do it yeah and, and, and rogan <laughs>
1: goes i don't know and he, and zuck's like yeah we didn't die there. And so our reasoning was like we like took down the hundred like I don't even remember how he explained it. he's like well our reasoning was this this and this well he was like
0: Did, the FBI came to us told us there's yes. about to be a story that could be massive misinformation and go viral we just basically they just got their wrists slapped because they previously let other information spread too fast that they said you should have known that was fake news you should have stopped it so now the FBI comes to you and says there's about to be a a dump of fake news that's going to go viral so what do they do? They're like, okay, we shouldn't just like. I guess we shouldn't block the news, but maybe we should like suppress it in the news feed so that it doesn't go super viral. Because you know, isn't that what we just got in trouble for? And like, he, he didn't say all this, but like, it's, it's obvious. This is obviously what. Like, what would you do? The FBI comes to you That's and says it's said. about to be a misinformation leak, and then it it comes out, and sure enough, it starts going viral. And you have to decide: do we just let this take over the platform, and like, oops, we did it again. Or, like, should we play it safe and, like, not let this spread like wildfire until we can fact check this and see if this is real or not? And, like, by the time it does, one side, the left or right, is going to be mad at you. And it's, like, if you just think about this shit, it's, like, the person who in 2016 was, like, the election was rigged. The Russians manipulated the election. Then here, fast forward to 2020, Biden wins. And then the, the right is now, like, the election was rigged. Biden was counting votes that didn't count. You know, like... It's like, they're both yeah, just, just like, they just switched. You're the same, you're the same dude on either side of the aisle. Like, don't you realize Like, you're, it's like the Spider-Man meme. They're pointing at each other. Yeah. And it's the same thing over and over and over again. It's like, um, you know, she's got, you know, the bad thing on her server. It's like, he's got the documents in Mar-a-Lago. And it's like, they just keep doing this on, you know, left, left and right. It's like how is a communication platform supposed to win? Because literally, well, no matter it, what you do, one side is going to think you're being completely unfair, or the other. There's no. There's Zuck did way such to be a good job, neutral.
1: though. That is such a good answer, and he like humanized himself so much there. And he goes, "We, we, our reasoning was," and he said exactly what you said about the FBI doing this. And this is what we thought seemed right at the time. How would you have handled that, Joe? And and Joe was like, "Well, that's a good question. I guess I would call someone who I think knows the answer and just talk and listen to him." He goes, "Yeah, that's what we did." You know, we called these people, we talked to them, and this is the best that we did. And could it have been wrong? Maybe. But like, you know, we don't really know the right answer. And it kind of I realized like, oh, wow, this guy, Zuck, he's 38 years old, or 36 years old. Like he's in his, thir- his mid 30s, been doing this since he was 21. Like he's just making it up and trying uh, to make some good decisions along the way. Is he maybe a little evil maybe but we all got a little bit of us in that we all have a little bit of that and like he's mostly doing a good job and it just he did a really good that that question of well how would you have handled it that was such a beautiful way because it was like oh you're you're fallible you're just like me you know like we're not that different is
0: he a ruthless competitor in the sport of business sure i wouldn't expect somebody who's number one in their game to not be a ruthless competitor at their game like i wouldn't expect them to be a softy who who doesn't care, or you know what I mean? Like it's, it's insane to me that people hold this like this crazy standard. Other reasons I'm team suck. So, you know about his like once a year missions that he does?
1: Yeah, like one year it was like travel the country in an RV. Uh, yeah
0: so so he did he, that was like when it was like election time he's like, I need to I don't know I need to meet middle America. Uh, I'm going yeah. to like you know <laughs> I will visit places with Walmarts like you know <laughs> that's like his mission for the year that year dude but by the that, way
1: I respect when people do that so much. I was watching this music video with Mike Posner, you know Mike Posner, and you probably love him he went to yeah. Duke he went to Duke he yeah. you know how he walked across the country yeah was so amazing. he like I followed it yeah it was yeah it was, it was awesome inspiring. he spent like he got bit by six, a rattlesnake <laughs> yeah and he like had, he got bit by a rattlesnake and he had to go home for two weeks and learn to walk again and then he shipped right back out to where he was and he went to you know he's like this guy who you imagine as being this like california cool kid guy or a new york cool kid guy and he ends up walking the country and he's like i walked around places with confederate flags i went to like rural kansas i went everywhere and i saw america and i realized that like I don't know shit about America. These people are a lot different than I thought. And it was really nice to get to know like other types of people. I love when people do that. And so I'm team Zuck a little bit because he did that.
0: So he did that. But the first ones he did, I feel like were things that he was actually just self-interested in. So he, um, I remember one of his first ones was that he was going to only eat. If he was going to eat meat, it had to be meat that he had personally hunted So he's like, I've never, I think he'd like never hunted before. And he's like, I don't really know where my food comes from or like what goes into this showing up on my plate. And I want to like, actually like with my hands, I want to experience this entire process. So he had to hunt it. He had to like prep it or kill, like, you know, clean it or whatever and cook it and then eat it. And so that's what he did for one year. One year he was just like, I want to learn Mandarin. I think Facebook really wanted to go into China. So he's like, he showed up in China to give a talk. He did the whole thing in Mandarin and surprised the shit out of the whole crowd. They were like it was like you know the scene in eight mile where he's going off on in the rap battle it was like the whole crowd was like oh what's going on like he's just speaking fluent mandarin with like the proper tone and like dude what a machine to in his like spare time just pick up these hobbies and then do them and now he's doing like mma and biology who's a you know a friend of ours he 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 tweeted this out he goes it has begun i forgot who he said he goes first uh (laughs) <laughs> great line
1: it has begun we could say that for so many things that's a beautiful, yeah, he, those are beautiful first words he called it sentence.
0: he called it uh, he goes first he goes first bezos now zuck i'm seeing it across the board tech people starting to seriously lift and train testosterone replacement therapy quantified self optimal diet diet eventually this will be productized for all but transhumanism starts with personal chatification. <laughs> so he calls it personal chatification. turning yourself into an absolute chad. And I know you, I don't know if you saw this tweet or not, but every word of this, you know, you were just doing the, the, the. you're at the black church saying, you know, you're, the gospel, the, the choir of Donda Academy is singing and you're like, amen to this, right? Like, cause you've been doing this, right? You've been doing I've your been own I've been doing this for about five
1: years now. I've been becoming chad and you want to know something? It is awesome. It is so awesome. I, I've influenced you a little bit. To you've slowly become into it. It's the way to live, man. Yeah, I'm not like, like a I, Chad.
0: I'm like a um, like I do Charles right now. Like I didn't even become a Chad. I'm just I'm just slowly working. I'm like a Brett trying to get trying to get to Chad right now,
1: dude. Just like lifting. This sounds so. Well, I don't care how it sounds. It, it is what it is. Lifting heavy weight and then just like eating meat and vegetables. I just <laughs> feel happy. I feel good about my life. And I look at old pictures of us when we were recording the podcast at my office, and my face was so much more round and I'm disgusted. I'm like, you are such <laughs> a fucking filthy animal. You are filthy. <laughs> you are a horrible human being. And I look at myself, it has made me so much happier. And like I, I'm I'm pumped that the nerds are finding out about it.
0: Yeah, I think Bology lifts I think he power lifts as well. So uh so yeah, there's just a like small, there's so much research that shows <laughs>
1: Dude, Like being stronger, it just make uh, they say, uh, you know, a strong body, a strong mind, like when getting stronger, like there's so many benefits to living a longer life. Uh, what's his name? What's the what's the guy we like the hunk scientist? uh huberman Huberman. (laughs) yeah huberman don't act like you don't know
0: (laughs) for uh, for the record we never have referred to him like that in private which is why i was confused you acted like we always call him the hunk scientist in text message
1: (laughs) dude i have a friend that like went and got in a cold plunge with him, and he goes He's ripped, like he's jacked, and I'm like, yeah, of course. These it all. are
0: like made for one. Like, how close together were they? <laughs> Those are like an occupancy of one.
1: That's a new protocol. You got to sit on top of one another, and it extends. <laughs> That's what he's telling people. He's like, uh, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, if you uh sit right here on my lap, uh, you're gonna live like <laughs> an extra hour. <laughs> but my dude, my friend did a thing with him, and he goes, he's just jacked. And, uh, uh, I I don't even remember how we started talking about this, but he, he he did a a podcast the other day and he talked about like living longer and he's like, yeah, lift weights and go for runs and you'll, and you'll live longer. So I'm happy. You probably do this stuff. My
0: trainer has me doing this stuff called myofascial cart, myofascial release or something like that. Do you do this? Like a, like a massage? It's basically foam rolling, but on steroids.
1: I go to a doctor two days a week and get it done on my calves.
0: Yeah. I knew, I knew you would do this as a, as a, as a, as a. Chad, you, you of course, uh, are like, you know, all the way in on this. It's basically he has these like like these trigger point balls and like these like different like torture devices, I'll call them. And he's like, all right, so I've done foam rolling before. It's, it's OK. It's kind of boring, a little bit painful, Um, not the most fun thing in the world. And, you know, it was always recommended to me like, hey, just, you know, you should foam roll tomorrow morning or tonight. You know, that'll help you with your soreness. And I was like, yeah, you know, sure. Sure. Right after I eat my broccoli and asparagus and like, you know, you know, say my prayers and get to bed by 9 p.m. Like, of course, yeah, I'll, I'll also foam roll. Why not? <laughs> Add it to the other list of shit I'm not going to do that I should not do. And so with this, we do. We now he, he, the way he got me to do it. He's like the first 25 minutes of every workout. We're doing this. So he'll be like, all right, find this spot like in your hip flexor. And take this like rock hard ball and you're just going to like put all your body weight on that thing. And wherever it feels most painful, that's the spot. And I'm like, oh my God. He's like, yeah, he's like, uh, he'll hear, hear me like basically wincing and groaning in pain. And he's like, all right, cool. Just you found it now stay there for three and a half minutes. And I'm like three and a half minutes. Like, <laughs> And so this has turned out to be, I bring this up because a, I find it interesting. I, I think there's a lot of fitness movements that have a business like angle to them. And I feel like you've been ahead of the curve on a lot of this, like, uh, you were on ATG or the kind of like knees over toes stuff before most people. And in general, like, what what do you call it? Movement therapy or something? Like that? Movement Yeah, training. mobility. Mobility training. This myofascial cardio release. Like, I think this is also like an area where the, the puck is going and more people are going to be well, interested. Well, it's in like it. a And you feel tarragon. amazing as soon as it's done, right? Like you feel absolutely amazing uh, when it's done. But the, the part of it that I find interesting is basically I for me, working out is not like I want to get as jacked and shredded as possible. It's basically like I want a part of my day where I'm not at my computer sitting down. I'm not on my phone. I'm not even thinking about work. And I know that could be other things. It could be meditation or whatever, but like a way, a way more achievable form of med- meditation for me is exercise, exercise where I basically I'm only focused on the thing that's right in front of me, like being absolutely present. Cause there's like a giant weight that's about to fall on my face or hurt. I'll hurt my shoulder or I'll, I'll injure myself or I'm like in extreme pain doing this like trigger point massage or whatever. And I'm not, I can't go anywhere else. I can't think about the past. I can't fantasize about the future. I can't worry about what notification just buzzed on my phone and I'm just like out of it for at least one hour a day. And for me, that became the real like benefits of this more than like, Oh, you know, I'm getting more fit or I have more energy or whatever. It's like, It forces me to do that, like the like the real version of meditation. So that's what I like about it the most.
1: Dude, I told you what Scott Galloway said, right? He is like, what did he say? The whole point. (laughs) He said this in an interview, and I thought it was amazing. As as like, I've been trying to say that, but you just said it so much better. He said in the interview with Ryan Holiday. He goes, basically, I think the whole like, if you are not fit enough that you can kill and eat most people in the room or outrun them then you have a problem and you should like work. He's like, I pretty much just exercise just so I can kill and eat most people in a room or just be able to outrun them. And he said that and I was like, oh yeah, that's actually, that's the way to go. That's the way to live. No, that is Uh, so
0: stupid. That's the part where I'm like, okay, I don't even want to be a part of this movement anymore. Like, why is that? How is that even relevant? That's like saying, you know, I want to be fast in case an asteroid is going to hit the earth and I got to get out of the way. It's like, what, what are you talking about? What is this scenario where you need to eat and kill or run away from everybody in the room? Has this
1: ever no, that, in that's your entire not, lifetime that, happened? That's that's at all. Not like it's like it, it's more like why does a car need to go 120 miles an hour when the speed limit's 60? Like it, it just, doesn't because it's uh, just it doesn't know, but it's awesome that it does. <laughs> and because it can, that makes it just a little bit cooler. Are you ever going to drive 160 miles an hour? No, of course not. But like, I still want that Ferrari just because I want to know I can do it. And like the act of training to get to be able to do it is awesome. So do I intend to eat you? (laughs) Eh, TBD, probably not. (laughs) But like, it's cool that I could like, if I wanted to, I could do X, Y, and Z to you. And just training for that, I think is awesome.
0: I would taste horrible. Like if you're gonna eat somebody, I'm not your guy. You know? Dude,
1: I heard the best place to eat someone is their is like their thumb right here. I heard that's like that's uh, that me. does
0: it does actually look like a chicken drumstick, actually, now that you think about it, right? Like that little that little section.
1: Yeah, I heard I, I heard that's the best part. Uh, I always thought you, calf
0: you... would be the way to go because that looks like the giant like turkey leg at Disneyland. I, I thought I thought yeah, calf but would be where I would do Muscular on parts,
1: muscular parts aren't good, you know. You want fat. The fatter the part is, is the better. Your, your calves are pretty lean compared so to the rest just, of your body. It's just your
0: butt, basically, then.
1: you're gonna Your butt and your belly. Yeah, you ever had pork belly, man? That shit's good.
0: It is. It's amazing. <laughs> Actually, it, 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 salmon belly, fantastic. And pretty much any belly. Yeah, you they, want the fat. I'm a belly though. guy. All right. <laughs> I think we've gone off the rails. And yeah. we, will...
1: we, we started with Kanye, and we ended <laughs> with eating each other.
0: <laughs> what, what part of each other would we want to eat? <laughs> We have fun. All right. See ya. (laughs)